2: and shine sports investors it is another beautiful day in the neighborhood Monday November 30th bring them out bring them out let's cock a doodle do it this is the early line right here on sports grid giving you the edge I'm Dane Martinez and as always I got my main man Kevin Walsh burning the candle at both ends trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day we'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time Kev long time no talk how you doing it's not like any Anything happened in the and the NFL since we last spoke.
1: Oh boy, has a lot happened. But I am excited to break it down. Uh nobody I prefer talking this stuff with Dane. And I mean, not all of it's gonna be fun. Certainly not when we Monday night game. Um nah. I have no interest in doing that. Also, the stuff that's gonna I mean, I'll tell you this, just you know, you know, we always talk about you know, sometimes you peel the curtain back. Like a coin flip, what you start the day with. Right. I mean, there's been a thousand massive lead stories that have happened, but all things considered, I think people know probably where we need to start if we're talking NFL.
2: No, absolutely. And, you know, I'm reminded yesterday, I'm hosting Pro Football today. We're interviewing guests, right? And we're already talking to them for like 10 minutes about headlines and stuff. And then we get to other major headlines that we almost forget about. Things like where the heck will the 49ers play? Didn't even rate in interviews with key guests and stuff like that. But I digress. You are absolutely right, Kev. The biggest thing that we have been following, and we started to follow it last week before the holiday. Right, we knew that the Baltimore Ravens were struggling with, um, I get you know, let's just call it what it is an outbreak at this point mm-hmm. among the Baltimore yeah, Ravens. Absolutely. That game that was supposed to be Thanksgiving night was moved to Sunday, right? But those are always, and I find it, I find it hysterical, Kev. You know, we're always like, oh, we're gonna play this on Sunday, but then there's still like the little caveat, right? Assuming that what we know now is the complete end of the positive testing and we're all good. But no, multiple players then turn up again on Friday, on Saturday. Even yesterday morning, Pro Bowl tight end Mark Andrews is test positive for COVID. And they say out of an abundance of caution, Kev, they have moved this Mm -hmm. game to tomorrow. Meanwhile, Ravens are still testing positive as of yesterday. And as of yesterday, they were going to play 48 hours from then. This game is still on for tomorrow, even though the Ravens are extremely compromised. And guess what? The Steelers have cases as well. James Conner, their running back, who, by the way, is a cancer survivor, kind of like how Mark Andrews has type 1 diabetes, uh, they tested positive as well. Uh, What is your reaction to the outbreak? and mm-hmm. how the nfl has treated this outbreak
1: i mean it's a nightmare and the fact that you know you asked that question with two parts of it there's probably seven more that can follow yep. those i think ultimately i was very surprised to see it moved off thursday you and i were last we spoke on wednesday we're like yeah they're going to be playing that football game dane And then they weren't. And that already was eye-opening. And then they put it on Sunday. And then John Harbaugh basically canceled the Sunday game himself. He's like, yeah, we're not showing up to the facility until Monday the earliest. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that's been blowing my mind, Dane, is just it doesn't even feel like there are fast and steady rules right now with any That's the thing. There's not.
2: And as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe, big shout out and thanks for getting up on the grid early with us. Kev, you know what I've been saying for months. I have been saying just what is the policy? Right? What is the policy? How do we understand how the Patriots can go to KC without Cam? How the Niners have to play on a Thursday night? How the Raiders, without an offensive line or a defense, they have to go. But this one gets pushed back, not once, but twice. Then, meanwhile, yesterday... The Denver Broncos have to play literally yeah. with a joke at quarterback. For me, it is inconsistent, and that is the problem, and that is why NFL teams will have gripes. The NFL was like, I will add an eighth playoff team to each conference. Mm-hmm. That will shut everybody up. But what they don't realize is that they, they they keep thinking that they can contain this and manage this on a case-by-case basis, Kev. So- and they can't.
1: I will I will say this. I'm not trying to cover for the NFL. If I That's were good. to say, though, in, in terms of the consistency, I think right now what's happening with the Ravens, maybe you'll disagree. I think the only comparison, though, is what happened with the Titans. To be fair, that is the only time that the NFL... Canceled the game. I think when you right. talk about the Niners losing a wide receiver room, the Packers losing a running back room, and the bat and the Broncos losing a quarterback room, those are all comparable situations where they're not treating one team or one position more important than the other and pushing forward. And I think the reason why this Raven Steelers game has been pushed back, back. Back is because they're dealing with an outbreak where I think right now I'm kind of struggling with the whole terms of we don't have a legitimate rules is the NFL is spinning their head right now because they know. And let's not confuse this at home. They know they shouldn't be playing tomorrow. They're aware of that. That's right. I think everybody at this point is aware of that. What they're not aware of is what to do if they don't play. That is why there is so much up in the air. Are you going to add a week 18? What does that do now to a bye week team? Who's going to possibly be mm-hmm. off, what, three weeks without playing? Yeah. Do you see how or how yeah. how is that fair to a team with a bye week who has to play this extra game? It is. That is where I think this struggle is coming. Again, no, they I'm, lost I'm their with flexibility. You. Yeah, and absolutely.
2: And neither team gets paid if they don't play the game including the team that doesn't have the outbreak this is a nightmare for the nfl we'll talk more games when we come back Welcome back in everybody, right here to the early line, Dane and Kevin. We're talking about kind of, you know, how COVID has impacted week twelve, the Baltimore Ravens, and the NFL over the holiday weekend. You know, here's the way I think about it, Kev, because, you know, I, I took issue with the phrase that the NFL said that they moved from Thursday to Sunday because of a quote mm-hmm. unquote abundance of caution. It is not an abundance of caution. Okay. Here are the factors going on, right? There's the guise of health and player safety as a priority, right? Then the other factor here we have to understand is how they want to treat competitive balance. And the mm-hmm. other factor here that we know is actually the priority is the business aspect of football, right? The television contracts, the the show must go on. And what, we've seen that because they protect the primetime games. They don't want to move other stuff to the playoffs, right? So there's all three of these things at play. Yes, obviously, caring about the health and the safety of the players and the coaches and the families and everybody involved to put on a football game is there. But I don't think it's the dominant force, Kev. I Honestly, don't competitive balance is sort of there. They're talking about maybe the eight teams. They're talking about, "Eh, we're trying to, you know, maybe bolster the practice squad. Remember, long snappers are important, Kev. And that's a factor as well. But to to what extent? And then there's the damn money and television. How would you break up that pie? Or do you think there's even a fourth factor in there?
1: This is the thing about the money TV thing that, yeah, I don't know if it's lost on people, but it's why I am so confused by the NFL. I feel like pretty undeniably a week 18 would be financially beneficial for them. They don't want to It do would it. be but it would be only primetime games. It would just be more primetime games. Like at the end of the like I don't see the downside financially. So obviously then if I can feel that way and I usually when I people go, "Yeah, no, you're right." I mean, it would make sense to bring money in, right? Right. If the NFL is against it, why and I think it's because they don't know how to handle the week 18 into their playoffs. And the NFL, simply put, Dane, they're trying to get in, get out. Remember when yeah. you and I? This is back pandemic. I was in the wood panel basement. We spent a lot of time talking about that built-in flexibility the NFL gave themselves with yeah. the Super Bowl, the delayed the same starts, bye weeks, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. They don't care anymore. They have no interest in utilizing any of this. They are trying to get in and get out. Because, if if, look, you take the temperature of the world, odds are, fingers crossed, we can all only hope and pray, next football season, this will be gone. We hope. So for them, they're just trying to get this one done. Heck, who knows? Maybe by the grace of God, by the time the playoffs are rolling around, they might be able to have this thing under control. But they are trying to just go. And that's the biggest issue at all. You're right, it's not an abundance of caution. Obviously, right. it's a measure of caution, not playing that football game, but an abundance of caution and abundance would, look different. would be to pause <laughs> the NFL. Would look and different. we're not right. going to do that. Right. Like, Kev, close your eyes for a
2: minute, okay? And picture yourself in a world where it is an abundance of caution. Oh. Wow. Now open your eyes. Now open your oh. eyes. Is that yeah. what the NFL is doing? No. no. Okay, no. it's just not right. You make a point, right? The priority is not to have an abundance of caution or care about The hell. The, uh, the, the the priority is to get through this. We got to the starting yep. line to get to the finish line. Similar to remember Justin Turner in the middle of the damn yep. World yep. Series, 100%. Major League Baseball was 100%. like, "We 100%. can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's get, <laughs> okay? let's get out go. of just here." Okay, let's just go, just go, go, right? Go. That's what the NFL sees. The problem 100%. is. Society is in a place that is going in the exact opposite, not society, the virus, right? And the status of the virus is going in a, like, it's not time to just close your eyes and run through it. It's time to exercise an abundance of caution. Did you ever see the movie White Men Can't Jump, Kev? For sure, absolutely. You know when they're playing that two on two tournament, right? And mm-hmm. it is so much physicality and stuff going on that when those when Wesley Snipes and Woody and team finally win, the like white guys with the trophy and stuff are like, let's give them the checks and get the hell out of here, right? That's yeah. what it is. That's what the NFL is doing right now. Because at and as they continue to go on, when we see the Raiders' offensive line or defense completely down, right? When we see the Niners having to play a Thursday night. Or Kev, when we see the ridiculousness that happened in Denver yesterday, it is another proof Mm -hmm. point that they are trying to just get through this with as little egg on their face as possible because they are willing in that effort, they are willing to put the absolute trash that happened um, in Denver Mm -hmm. yesterday out there as part of their NFL product. And I don't blame the kid Hilton. He's a practice squad kid. I don't blame him, right? The NFL Mm -hmm. acknowledges that that is a ripple effect and an unintended consequence of their approach which is not an abundance of caution.
1: And this is the one thing I want to say because I know we want to start talking games here sure. and everything. Yeah. This is something that you and I have kind of brought up to folks, and everyone needs to. Re- what happens if this right. happens in the playoffs? That's not the on a question- Tuesday, but on a Friday. <laughs> that is the, that is the question, okay? And that is a question that does span further where I don't think the Broncos' situation, they go, listen, close contact, shut it down. right? But that is now completely unfair. I think it is legitimate that we need to start asking ourselves, is the NFL going to do what Major League Baseball did and try and go bubble for the playoffs? And if they do that, by the way, I'll just say, after all of this conversation about the NFC gets to host a playoff game and the Damn. Steelers at least are going to have the ability to host the Chiefs, poof, gone, irrelevant, Damn. totally True. irrelevant. Changes the futures market, changes everything that we've been breaking down standing-wise completely yeah. on its head. But what other option do they have? Yeah, <laughs> cancel, no, I, I, cancel a postseason game? <laughs> the, 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 I'm not even going to say a team name. That's not my style. That's you. Team X forfeits? A, a, and this team moves on to the right. – the, are you crazy? Right. Can't do it. Right. Can't have it. That's right. Hey, Titans, go out there
2: without Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry. I mean, come on. You know? Uh, I'll name a team. Don't worry about it,
1: bro. Don't worry <laughs> about you.
2: it. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It is a moving target here where if we knew the rules and the policy, at least we'd be able to defer to that. But like I said, they made the Broncos go out there without Jeff Driscoll, without Drew Locke, without Brett Rippin, without Blake Bortles even – they had to d- turn to wildcat aplenty, and we saw what happened. Unfortunately, Hinton, and I don't blame the kid. He goes one of nine, 13 yards, throws a pick. But honestly, Kev, the winning quarterback threw for 78 yards. This had, right. some, this had like the least amount of yards in the first half. I don't think they're... Like, I look, because I have Taysom Hill on a couple of fantasy rosters, right? Taysom Hill mm-hmm. was like three of five for 26 yards or something like that in the first half, yep. but he, for the Second game in a row, runs for two touchdowns. Lat Murray goes off mm-hmm. supporting, you know, the run game was right there. That Saints defense, we may not think about it because they faced, you know, a JV high school team yesterday. But the Saints defense continues to improve and be stout. And the Saints now, they get a W and they're sitting in the catbird team in the NFC.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, for the Saints, and I know, but, like, this doesn't count. I don't care. Like, when we give these teams stats over the course of a season, we're going to have to, like, do this. the Saints over for 50. This just doesn't, it simply doesn't count. Like, I'm not giving you credit for holding a team to 13 passing yards. I hear you. Three points. None of that. But I don't think most people will. I don't think most people would argue that. From the Denver side of things, I'll just say this. As the season goes along, I continue to track who will probably be fired. You might say, oh, how's Vic Fangio going to lose his job for that? I mean, how is it his fault? Vic Fangio is very likely to lose his job. Vic Fangio already been fined for his own breaking of COVID protocols. The lack of organization and just the ability to figure it out that allows to your quarterback room being completely pulled. Dane's chaos theory from August that a part of me thought, no way that ever happens comes true, and you in the post-game press conference slam the quarterback room, there's, there's no accountability there. Denver's having a mess of a season. Vic Fangio added to that list for me of likely departures at the top of an organization. The list grew over the
2: holiday weekend. We'll talk about that when we come back on the early line. Welcome back in. Big shout out to all of our radio affiliates. Thanks for getting on the grid and waking up early with us here on the Early Line. Dana and Kevin catching you up over the holiday weekend. The NFL had no shortage of things happening and it may have flown under the radar, Kev, because, you know, despite being a home dog, despite the Close Your Nose special on Thursday, the Detroit Lions couldn't do a damn thing. So then they turn around and Matt Patricia and the GM get fired it says it here Matt Patricia after a 13 29 and 1 record uh he gets canned remember he did replace Jim Caldwell who did go 36 and 28 did have them in the playoffs 9 and 7 10 and 6 but bringing in the patriot way was what was going to take them over the top they've decided to um end that experiment they will move on the lions do not have a coach daryl bevel will be the interim coach i know this is something you have been clamoring for for a while you and i both (laughs) have not thought that matt patricia was the leader of men he needed to be and ironically has taken these lions in the wrong direction because as i always say all coaches matter and jim caldwell had this team as a legit playoff contender
1: during his tenure Matt Patricia being fired was almost somewhat euphoric. and uh, needed a bit of good news. And God, did this guy not deserve this job. Uh, abysmal from the start. First year, fourth place. Next year, fourth place. This year, fourth place. He's been horrible. And the enemy thing, see, the thing is I've been doing the, the EB stuff for a while. But now, every, I mean, Eric Biennium is the guy. So now we move forward. For the love of goodness gracious, someone hired Jim Caldwell. I mean, Hmm. Jim Caldwell, you mentioned it in those four seasons, had three winning seasons. Matt Patricia didn't muster up anything near that. Jim Shorts, my guy, getting the job done over in Philly as a D.C. Hmm. In five years, had one winning season. Someone hire Jim Caldwell. But as you mentioned with Patricia, one of the best stories that came out of this whole absolute debacle is – He tried to play a video of Cam Newton being Cam, hyped up, dancing and dabbing to fire up his players to get PO'd and to want to take out Cam, to which the players are like, what are you doing? We love that. Like, that's that's great. That's awesome. We love Cam. And it's like, you're just not like if if you thought like, are you not paying attention, man? You can't get a turnover in this league. The teams, they run to the end zone. They take a team photo. It's been going on for two and a half years. You think that these guys are going to be upset? Oh, how dare Cam dab on an opponent? No, it's lit. It's fire. It's what they want. So stop being ridiculous. Matt Patricia, he'll probably walk right back to a job in New England. Fine. Don't care. I don't don't think he gets another coaching job, though. No, he's a coordinator no. position type now. That's what's yeah, in his future, Yeah, he'll go right? coach something in New England, and everyone sure, will be sure, like, sure. see how good he's in New England. We'll waste our time with that, and that's what it is. Someone hired Jim Caldwell. That's all I got to say about that. At the minimum, as an offensive coordinator. At the minimum, as an offensive coordinator, somebody put J.C. up where he belongs. That's that. No,
2: that's fair. And, you know, we have so much other stuff to discuss today. What I will put on the radar, remember, Kev, what I always say, the hardest thing for a new regime to do is manage the end of the career of Mm -hmm. a franchise player. I said it in Atlanta as it relates to Matt Ryan, and I will say it again in Detroit as it relates to Matthew Stafford for the future. We've talked about this. Remember, we even thought there was a chance that the Lions would go and get Tua at number three overall at one point last year mm-hmm. very quickly, but I do think the Stafford yep. piece is a critical
1: decision of the next coach and GM. I just wanted to say this wasn't the only firing that we saw because obviously Patricia as well as the GM went. The yeah. Jaguars then also Correct. fired their general manager. Correct. It's just a sign that teams in the league now are going to start parting ways with those yes. with those pieces of the organization to get a head start on the general yes. manager shirt, uh, search as well as yeah. the head coaching search. So don't be surprised when results lead to firing from now until season's end.
2: True story, we will also see, unfortunately, on the player end, players getting shut down for the rest of the season, okay? If they're dealing with some injuries, if they're out a contention, that is a danger for your fantasy playoffs. I'll tell you about that as a statistician in other places here on this network. Let's get into some of the other games though, Kev, with, you know, playoff quality teams. The Kansas City Chiefs go to Tampa Bay where the Super Bowl will be played maybe on February 3rd, maybe another date, we'll see. And they showed that they belong in the discussion to return there for the final game of the season. Patrick Mahomes, 462 and three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 13 catches, 269 yards and three touchdowns. I will say this, though, Kev. Tampa did come back a little bit, and you even, if you were watching that game, saw, like, Brady and Evans having conversations on the sidelines to try to work things out, right? Like, Kansas City is obviously the class. As you and I both say, Patrick Mahomes has all the answers to all the questions. What do you think of this game and what you saw on the Tampa side?
1: So uh, I'm going to start with the Chiefs side because I think we might disagree on the Tampa side. As far as the Chiefs side goes, Patrick Mahomes is now like running away a little bit with the MVP. It's going to come down to him and Russ and pretty much that's it. And if you just look at what's favored to happen. I have another candidate, by the way. I have another candidate. We'll get to it later, but go ahead. I have an idea who it is. But right now, Mahomes is going to be a big minus-money favorite. And I'll just say this. If the odds come home in three years as a starter, two MVPs, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, said. He's he's. I know people don't like don't this stuff. He's worth half a billion dollars. <laughs> like this is the, thing. the reason why I've been arguing with people over LeBron for a long time is because I don't waste time. I could tell that he was the best that ever played the sport, and I got right to it. That's Mahomes. He's the best that's ever played the sport. It's what it is. It's okay. And I know the quarterback that was on the other side. The longevity ultimately secures you as the GOAT. But when we talk peak and prime and all that, there's nobody that's done what Mahomes is doing. And that's what that is. As far as the Bucks go, yeah. what happened to end this game, I knew, I knew how this was going to be perceived. And I strongly disagree about what's going to happen. Because I can already see this is... They came. They hung close. They were tight. It's the Chiefs. Give them credit right there. They now hit the bye. They're going to come off the bye. Four more games, all incredibly winnable. They'll come off of the bye. They're going to win all four of those games. The Bucs have figured it out. Since that fourth quarter against the Chiefs, the offenses looked crisper. They've started to figure it out. They needed the bye week to regroup. Fully insert Antonio Brown. Brady, right. and they're finding... Th- And they're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to be the hottest team in the NFL. Nobody wants to face them. They're going to be the upset pick of the first weekend because the Saints, they're not going to be able to catch the Saints. Everybody's going to be buying Tampa Bay. Of course, matchups are dependent. I'm out. I, I said this last week. This is all playing out exactly how I thought. And so we're going to have this conversation weekly, Dane, and I'm just telling you right now, hey, Kevin, has your opinion changed as you watch them route the Atlanta Falcons for the second time in three weeks? No, it hasn't. I'm out on the Bucks, regardless of this performance and the ones that are about to follow. Fair enough. Um, you have somewhat, but
2: not all, captured what I feel about the Bucks. okay? Like, oh, interesting. Um, I feel... I do feel a lot of what you said, but not to the extreme that you're talking about, Kev. That's all, okay? I, I, I do feel that, first of all, I feel the defense is still there and an important piece of Tampa, right? They can still stop the run. They can still do that stuff. As it relates to some of the, like, they figured it out and all of that, I do think that given some of the new pieces, given Brady and the new scheme, it will take some figuring out. Right. But I'm not going to say they're the dangerous matchup and all that stuff. I will say that there we talk about the NFC, Kev, and we talk about how the NFC, the tiers have been real fuzzy. Right. We've been like, who's the class yep. of the NFC? And I do believe Tampa is one of the teams. Right. Can they lose a first round matchup? Yes. Can they win a first round matchup? Yes. You know, I think it's going to be hard for any of the NFC teams to kind of win three games. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because they were are going to be... We're not going to see touchdown point spreads in the NFC. You know what I mean? They're going to be close. Yeah. And I just think that Tampa is one of them, but I'm not going to go above and beyond with all of that stuff. But I do think I will be looking for teams... Going into the playoffs, whose arrow is pointing up, and I do believe it is plausible that Tampa is one of those teams. Green Bay and Chicago are in the NFC, and I think these are two teams with the arrows pointing in opposite directions. Aaron Rodgers may be one of those MVP candidates. He continues to lead the league in passer rating. He threw another four touchdowns. He has guys like Alan Lazard coming back to give him more options, which I think is important. And then on the other side, this Bears offense is still putrid you know the way I felt about them even when they are five and one and the regression is coming full scale but this is really about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers as they continue Mm -hmm. to win put distance in the NFC North and throw their name in the hat for true NFC contender.
1: Yeah. So for me, and this has been the case now for a couple of weeks, the Packers are are my horse in the NFC. As the okay. season goes on, we're gonna kind of okay. all pick our horses. Now yep. it's not a Chiefs level thing, right? Because for me, like I legitimately laugh off the idea that the Steelers can beat the Chiefs in a playoff game. I laugh it off. Green Bay can be had. but Green Bay is the team that I'm trusting right now because, and, and I by the way, Rodgers. Is in the MVP conversation. I just don't see Mahomes losing it. I think he's put a real stranglehold on the award. But Rodgers, my second biggest non-bet regret of the week, like I just, I, did, I just wish I bet it. I just did it. Was Rodgers over two and a half touchdown passes? I was. Ah, Bears defense. Rodgers is just. Rodgers awful loss. He's he's in he's in fu mode. He's like, listen, I I'm furious and I'm gonna embarrass the Bears like I always do. And that's exactly what he did.
2: No doubt. We'll talk a little bit more about Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, their space in the NFC, and plenty more games of Week 12 if we get caught up after the Tryptophan and the holiday weekend right here on the early line. Thanks for getting on the grid. Come on back after this. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the Early Line, giving you the edge, looking back at Week 12 and all the news over the holiday weekend here. You know, we were talking about the Green Bay Packers, and I do believe Aaron Rodgers is still part of the MVP conversation, Kev. And the reason is because, you know, the narrative around like a Patrick Mahomes, is, he's got Tyree Kill, he's got Travis Kelsey, he's got all these weapons, the elite fantasy herd, right? With Aaron Rodgers, we are dinging the organization for never giving him help. And he's doing this anyway, right? So the idea of – I think that's part of it, you know, if they wanted to do that. But ultimately, he is not the MVP candidate that I want to make a case for later on in this show. As we go to our next game – Really, as we go to our next game, I mean, Aaron Donald is in this next game. He's one of the most valuable players in the the league. And judging by what we saw out of Debo Samuel yesterday, maybe he should get some votes as well. The San Francisco 49ers play the Rams. They get the job done. Debo kind of goes off. Jared Goff had been throwing for 300 yards every game. That doesn't happen. He throws two picks, 198 yards. Are the San Francisco 49ers... With five wins, one less than the team in the last playoff spot, which I believe now is the Cardinals with six wins. Are the Niners, who are getting more healthy, are they live in the NFC?
1: So let me just say this for the folks at home. Dane is fully aware that he now just split my focus on trying to figure out the MVP thing, and that's on him. But as we lock in on this game, first of all, A massive credit to the Niners. Off of a bye, they come out, they play really, really good football. They took a good lead here. Their defense was playing really good. Richard Sherman back, Debo Samuel, what a performance, 11 for 133 on 13 targets. Raheem Mostert, I mean, good for Raheem Mostert that he held out to get some money. He is clearly the best back on this team. What a big result for the Niners. Can they possibly make a playoff push? I think the NFC, if those outside five and six teams, the Bears, the Vikings, the Niners, you'd have to go through some schedule. Because I don't know if any of these teams, even still, because Mullins is still the quarterback, I just think that's going to be tough. But here's the thing with me on the Rams. This has now happened three times in the last two weeks. And it is so surprising to me. The Rams, the Bucks versus the Rams, and the Vikings versus the Cowboys. All favorites at home, Came out playing bad football, and you, those results in the moment, you go, yeah, I get it. I could see how those teams could lose those games. Completely pull the momentum back. Completely take charge of the game. And two out of the three pulled the lead. The Bucs actually you know, were able to at least tie the football game. And they all lose. Yep, That is hard for me to wrap my head around, to be honest with you, Dave. That, like, the Vikings went to minus 800 favorites. The Rams in this game went to minus 300 favorites. The Bucs in that game went to favorite deep into the fourth quarter. It's so, they were favorites, by the way, while driving down in that game. None of them get the win. That, for me, kind of goes against the grain of almost what I know about sports favorites mm. coming out slow, grabbing the lead at home late into the game. But and not still getting all the finding way home. a way to lose. That's yeah. really surprising to me. It is. Let me let me zoom out on the Rams a little bit
2: because the Rams are starting to get a lot of love, Kev. A lot yeah. of people are starting to pick the Rams as Absolutely. their horse. The way you were picking it right now, yeah. I can see this going in two different ways. One, uh oh, the Rams are not that serious, right? They're not there. Or eh, tough division loss for a team that could, you know, plausibly go 11 and 5, that could be one of their losses. That's okay. Mm-hmm. An improving, getting healthy, tough division opponent.
1: So, which one is it for you? Is this a big deal for the Rams? You know, it's it's not a massive deal when you cuz I think the context from the outset, you're 100% right. Yeah. Coming off Monday Night Football, tough division game, they're off of a bye week, they're getting healthy, they're hungry, they get the job done. So, I agree with that. But the context in the game, Jared Goff was terrible. 19 of 3,198 yards and two picks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And man. Sean McVay came out and simply said, he goes, Jared Goff has to protect the football more. And that's the and that's why we always talk on this show about context. Pre-game, mm-hmm. this result, it's not the end of the world. In-game, Goff playing like that is the reason why all year you will see people say, I can't trust the Rams. It's him. It's 16. And that's the reason why, that performance right there.
2: All right, fair enough. I can't wait to hear about the context of this next game, the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray (laughs) fly west to east for the 1 o'clock start. I will say this. We joke and you laugh because you know what it is. But Kyler Murray was clearly managing a little bit of a banged-up shoulder. Okay? That, I think, is fair to say. However, the – New England Patriots, led by Cam Newton, who throws for the grand total of 84 yards. That's they dope. make just enough plays for Nick Folk to kick a field goal as time expires, just like they kicked a field goal as time expired against the winless Jets to now win two of their last three. The Patriots uh, win this game 20-17. to They get to five wins. We'll see if Steve has them on the playoff graphic tomorrow. Sure. What are your takeaways from this one, including, Kev,
1: the content? Text. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Kyler Murray, we knew, was was coming in with the banged-up shoulder. Here's what makes this game so surprising to me. The Pats aren't supposed to be, be able to win these kind of games. They're down 10-0. Right. They came out turning the football over. They're not supposed to be able to win those kind of games, and they did. Kyler banged up or not. Kenyon Drake played a good football game. Their defense held the Arizona Cardinals to 17. Kyler Kyler had an uh, off-the-back-foot off throw that sent Twitter ablaze for a moment of, that's Mahomes-esque. So to make mm. that throw, look, I know the shoulder wasn't 100%, but he also wasn't playing at 40%, 50%. He was still out there ready to play the game. So my, it was I, the I, way,
2: but Kev, also only five rushing attempts, right? That's another piece yeah, of the Kyler game that maybe sure. doesn't happen if he's nursing
1: that a little not to be, to be fair against Seattle as well he he the ground game wasn't as effective now that might be because he got banged up early against Seattle or maybe teams are just doing everything they can to stop letting kyler murray right. embarrass them and he's been embarrassing teams That's all fair. season long at the end of the day, it's funny. This game features the 6 and 5 Arizona Cardinals who are a playoff contender, but because of the way the early line works, this game is about the 5 and 6 team. At the end of the day, I leave this game feeling 100% vindicated on what I said 4 weeks ago. Really? They are a, yeah, absolutely. They are a legitimately good team. I mean, since I've made that point, they're 3 and 1 with two of their wins being against the Ravens and the Cardinals. I mean, it's what it is. They got banged up through COVID and it trashed their season. The, the the you know, March that would be trying to make the playoffs, I still think is too grandiose because the AFC just has way too many teams that have been mm-hmm. able to pull the results out of the bag. But, yeah, I do. I 100% believe that of the Pats. And now, yeah, we don't if have... they're not on that graphic, I'm going to lose my mind because they're a well... game off. Uh, some of these other teams.
2: We'll leave that to our graphics guy, Steve, tomorrow. Um, but, you know, I do think it's interesting when they lose to the Texans, you still want to talk about the context of, but Cam threw for all this yards and stuff. They win here, but Cam was 50% completion Cam percentage was th- and less than 100 yeah. yards
1: passing. It was terrible. He was terrible. Oh, okay. that, but the, and they okay. still found a way to win. No, I mean, And that's the thing, because when, when we talked about the Texans game, you were like, look, this team is garbage. They couldn't run the football against the worst run defense. They stopped yeah. running. They decided to throw. That was the game hey. script. So it was fine here. I mean, they just won a game where Cam went nine of eighteen for eighty-four yards and two picks. They sure did. What in the world is? They this? Sure what in the world did. is that?
2: How is that? It's, a it's wild. It is twenty-twenty. I don't know what else to say. We have pegged yeah. you though at seven and nine, and they would need two more to get there. We'll see what happens over the next five weeks, Kenneth. We have arrived at my next MVP contender. And his name is Derrick Henry. His name is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, 27 carries, 178 yards, three touchdowns. And Mm -hmm. in a passing league where quarterbacks go for 4,000 yards like it's a bedtime snack, there is only (laughs) one running back in the NFL that... that That, that actually is this valuable to his team. And his name is Derek Henry. This is the only team in the league that can play this way. And the reason they can is because of Derek Henry. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson are all interchangeable. But I am on a certain level in this passing NFL. Derrick Henry is checkmate in a way that no other player in the NFL is. Now, I understand Mahomes, like you said, is the most talented player you've ever seen. I am not here to dispute that completely. But the value of this guy at running back, I think, does a hell of a lot. And I think he should be in the conversation, Kev. Derrick Henry helps the Titans roll over the Colts and get
1: right back at the top of the ASF South. So I will say it is absolutely criminal that the swing pass touchdown that started this game ah, yes. got pulled <laughs> off of Ryan Tannehill's numbers and thrown as a Derrick Henry rush. I also would be upset about that if I was Derrick Henry. I'd like a receiving touchdown. Like, come mm-hmm. on, right? Like, he, like he can never sure. catch. Like, let me get mine through the air. At the end of the day, Derrick is wildly important to this team. He is not the most valuable player on his own team. It is still Ryan Tannehill. Proof point, last year. Mario to the quarterback, they're a disaster. Tannehill takes over, they're in the AFC Championship game. And Ryan Tannehill, if we can give him his swing pass back, 14 of 23 for 220 plus yards and two touchdowns. Fine, don't even give him the swing pass. It is what it is. The end of the day, they need Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry's great. Derrick Henry's finishing off drives. Derrick Henry after Thanksgiving, like, what a what a guy. I mean, this guy just turns it up to later in the season. I love when guys have gimmicks. It's the best. I love that Tyreek Hill is so fast that he has a gimmick celebration that is going like this to other all-universe athletes. What a player. I love that Derrick Henry, winter is coming, and he is now, you know, the Night King all of himself. <laughs> what, an ab- what an absolute superstar. But if we're going to legitimately – like, who is more important to the Tennessee Titans? I've, I saw this le- – it's Ryan Tannehill. And, and that will not change no matter how many rushing touchdowns or yards Derrick Henry has.
2: But a big win I for the Titans. Ridiculous. I think that's absolutely it's, ridiculous. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Do you think it's Ryan Tannehill? Like, let's look at what Mariota is like in that change, you know, that was going from, you know, not starting level quarterback to starting level quarterback, but we digress. We got so much to talk about. Derek Henry continues to lead the league in rushing has now gone for over a hundred yards in 11 straight road games for this team. And he is how this team bread is buttered. Let's talk about one other game real quick. Cause we have so much much to get into. As a matter of fact, let's not do that. Let's talk about the Colts Mm -hmm. here because we talk about the Baltimore Ravens and the Denver Broncos. The Colts had a lot of COVID issues as well. I mean, we talk about that run defense that couldn't stop Derrick Henry that was third in the NFL going into that game. They had DeForest Buckner on the COVID list. They didn't have Jonathan Taylor. So let me ask you how much of it, just like we asked you real quick about the Rams, how big of a concern is this? How big of a concern is this for the Colts?
1: I don't think it's all too concerning. The Titans were always going to be a difficult team for them to sweep. You just have to get back after it next week. You don't want to get embarrassed like this, but Tennessee had a lot of fire in the belly the way they messed that Thursday nighter up and ended up getting embarrassed on that game.
2: All right, fair enough. We will continue to talk about more NFL games in hour two, but when we come back, we take a slight detour to some of the exhibitions. welcome back everybody thanks for getting up on the grid and joining us here on the early line kev there was a ton of action right in the nfl in the sports world but I want to take a minute to discuss two things that also happened that were kind of like you know exhibitions that were fun to see one was the fact that roy jones fought mike tyson okay in a fight that ironically went to a draw mike tyson won that fight i would not want to fight mike tyson right now in his 50s but i digress it was you know I guess an exhibition all in good fun. We also had an exhibition on the golf course, Kev, where as dogs, Phil Mickelson and Sir Charles took out Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. They won this four and three in the match play of it all. I got to say this two things. One, one, Charles looked like he has definitely been working on his game, but the star of this was Phil Mickelson, right? As everything from Mm -hmm. a player to a coach to a sports investor himself, Uh, Phil Mickelson, I was there for
1: all of it with him. The match, it was fun. You know, it's funny, but Steph and Peyton were favored, and you see that number. And your brain goes, I can get the pro for a plus money. But then that's when you go, oh, they're so smart. That's not what I'm supposed to do. They know something. Boom. I take the current NBA point guard and former NFL quarterback at minus 175. And then you realize the book had no inside edge here. They had no angle. Right? We always talk about how the book knows more than us. Not right. in this instance. They didn't know about. Charles Barkley clearly putting in any type of work to go out there and fix the swing. And also, I don't think they factored in the format. I think there was an idea that the format was going to be favoring the, you know, Curry and Peyton side because of all shots and Charles would mess everything up. As this thing continued, and I'm not saying I I was able to figure this out before the match. I'm just saying as the match carried on, it became obvious the format was glorious for Phil because he would just drive it off the tee, he'd coach Chuck, he'd tap the thing in.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, it was fun to see, and Charles definitely doing his thing. Absolutely on Tyson Roy Jones, the star was Snoop Dogg on commentary of all things. Shout out so Nate we certainly hear all that. Oh yeah, Nate Robinson got knocked the what out as well. But in any event, we go back
1: to the NFL after this hour number two. See you later.